We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey guys, it's Kirk. I'm coming to you with another episode of Mavs Moneyball After Dark, where the Mavs just fell to the Knicks 106-102. to 102. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys, since the, the people who are listening to these post-game recaps, uh, you know, you, you tend to come back night in and night out, and I really appreciate it. I just recorded five or six minutes of me essentially yelling into the microphone, and then I deleted it. Why? You know, primarily because it's not productive, also because it's really, you know, I was kind of all over the map. Um, when the Mavericks lose a game like this, the front end of a back-to-back against a pair of lottery uh, the, when they're facing a pair of lottery teams in a row, it's it's really the kind of loss that they just can't have. You know, I tend to start off these podcasts wanting to talk about the positive because you know, as as I consume games, my tendency is to lean into the in, into the negative, and I, I I do that on Twitter a lot. I don't mean to; it's just kind of how I react. I live and die with every moment. That's the way that I follow games, but you know. I try to do the the positive in these podcasts first, but tonight I'm really I'm really not going to be able to because this was an absolutely atrocious loss. It's the kind of loss that a a playoff hopeful team cannot have, and it starts and really ends with the rotations and the lineups from uh, Dallas Mavericks coach Rick Carlisle. Uh, I will never know anywhere near as much about basketball as Rick Carlisle does. But it's fairly obvious to anyone who's watching the Mavericks that these starting lineups are too gimmicky. There's no reason for it. The decision to play Courtney Lee starting minutes is absolutely baffling. The decision to play Dwight Powell in the starting role against a lineup that features 
A Morris twin, Julius Randle, and Taj Gibson is ridiculous. Powell cannot hold his own against these sorts of players. Julius Randle got off to a really good start. They got all sorts of looks right in the lane. The Knicks bullied the Mavericks from pillar to post, particularly on the offensive boards. They grabbed 56 total rebounds, and 14 of them were offensive, which is absolutely insane. Now, I know what the big picture folks are going to say. Well, look, Kirk, the, the, the Knicks shot 50% from the field, or from three-point line. And that's true. That's true. They also left 13 free throws on the floor as they missed a ton. They only shot 40% from, or 42% from the floor overall, the Knicks did. And the Mavericks had plenty of chances in this game. But I just can't get past the lack of rhythm that the Mavericks have. The first guys off the bench were Justin Jackson and Maxi Kleba, who, which Kleba I'm fine with. I, I, I arguably think that Kleba is one of the most important Mavericks. Jackson, who has had a pretty good stretch of games, missed three attempts at, a, at the rim. He's a, he was a negative 13 in only eight minutes, which that sort of thing is really hard to do. Uh, the you know we haven't even gotten to I could spend half an hour talking talking about Tim Hardaway Jr. and and maybe I should just leave it alone, but I do not understand the decision to play Tim Hardaway Jr. minutes that should be reserved for Seth Curry. When we're going through this box score at the end of the night, the Mavericks' best three point shooter had zero shot attempts in 13 minutes, whereas Tim Hardaway Jr. had 15 shot attempts. Now, sure, you're going to say, if, if you're a positive fan, you're going to say, look, Kirk, Tim hit a couple of big threes to keep the game close to the end. Well, Tim also was a bricklayer for most of the game and gave up lots of empty possessions, had, had you know, just repeated bad shot after bad shot. Uh, it, it's the sort of thing that I don't understand how he is able to have the length of rope that he does, whereas Seth Curry gets pulled for whatever mistakes that we're not seeing. Because he must be doing something wrong. I think what we really need to emphasize that. He's not doing something that Coach Rick Carlisle wants, and, and we're just not seeing it. Um, you know, between those two, you know, between the, the way this bench is playing and the, and the lack of rebounding from the Mavericks, there was not, you know, the game never had any real rhythm. Uh, Luca and Porzingis, obviously, were the only two players who really got a feel uh, with Luca, you know, scoring a career high 38 points, grabbed 14 rebounds, and dished out 10 assists. But like I said earlier, he had eight turnovers. Luca, in particular, had a lot of like pointless lane probing turnovers where he was looking for a cutter late. And part of why he was looking for a cutter late is the Knicks were cramped up in the lane, and he didn't really want to pass out to anybody who couldn't hit shots. You know, we have to play Luka Doncic with more shooting. Uh, Porzingis can't be the only shooter on the floor, which was the case for, uh, you know, a lot of that final stretch as they played, you know, uh, Powell, who is willing to shoot, but not a good shooter. Dorian Finney-Smith, who's willing to shoot, but not a good shooter. And, you know, you, I think Hardaway Jr. was even out there for the crutch time minutes. I just don't understand what the Mavericks are seeing. Um, part of me is also thinking that, look, you know, this is sort of the sum of all fears in terms of, of the Maverick bench just not having enough shooting. Uh, and, and, you know, that really came to pass. But the way the Mavericks lost this game was in in ways that had much less to do with the lack of bench scoring. And it was, you know, lost on the boards. It was lost on some kind of wonky rotations. I, I just, 
you can't start a game losing the first quarter to the 1-7 New York Knicks by giving up 36 points. I understand the Mavericks are really not going to be a great defensive team this year. That's just something that you know the rest of us have to get used to. But I don't really grasp why their scheme or their lineups or sort of what's happening gives up this many uh, uh, looks in first quarters to teams who aren't good enough. You know, this was the stretch of games, and I, and I, you know, this was a stretch of games where the Mavericks really should have won every single game. You know, they they play tomorrow night against the Memphis Grizzlies. I doubt Porzingis plays because there, you know, there's been a lot of talk about not playing him on back to backs. Maybe he will. Um, he played 36 minutes. He's looking great, but you know this is the sort of game that you cannot really afford to lose if you think you're going to be a Western Conference playoff team. This felt like another instance of getting too cute by half, where the Mavericks don't know who their best player or who their best five is at the right moments. Um, one thing I, I I would like to talk about is is the Doncic stepbacks. Um, they're getting a little silly. He's not hitting them right now. He got to the lane at will, and I understand that the shot is always going to be there for him. But you know, he was he shot nine free throws. He probably should have shot at least three or four more. I'd like to see just less stepbacks. I would also like you know to see him figure out off ball defense a little bit more. He got lost a number of times. I think he rebound hunts a little bit, and sometimes that results in him losing his man. Uh, you know, the Knicks, like, like I've said two or three times by now, they, they play a wonky lineup that, that all that, uh, all those power forwards are bound to just, you know, kind of bully over a team that has so many finesse players like the Mavericks, but I don't, I, it's, it's just confusing to me. You know, they didn't even have one of their best guys in, in Mitchell Robinson, who was out with a concussion, who's a really great shot blocker. Um, and you know, the frustrating part for me about this game is that, it doesn't even allow me to talk about the thing that I really wanted to lead in this game about. I'm going to talk about it anyways, and the fact that Chris Stapps Porzingis probably had his most complete game to date. Now, if we ignore the fact that he didn't score a single point in the fourth quarter, which was pretty rough, you know, his 28 points, nine rebounds, and five blocks were absolutely outstanding. He was shooting the ball well from three. He isolated it and was decisive on his shot attempts. He also put the ball on the floor and got to the rack at least five times from what I saw. I really enjoyed his aggressiveness. The Mavericks kind of put him in a position at certain points in the floor to attack where he had some space. That was pretty exciting to see. Uh, again, he's still he's rebounding the ball better than I would have expected. And, you know, watching him shoot threes is still is still a lot of uh, it's just a lot of fun because he's very good at it. The fourth quarter is something I, I, I would really need to see again to watch him specifically. Uh, he missed some open looks. He also took one really kind of rushed three at the start of a, a inbounds play. It was like 14 seconds on the shot. Cox, I think Luca got fouled. It was an air ball three that was pretty atrocious. Um, but again, you know, so many, he played so well overall that, you know, it's hard to really look at one or two mistakes and saying, okay, what are you doing here? Um, you know, it, it's, it's, the Mavericks just can't afford to do this. The West is too competitive. They're going, you know, you, you have to win games like this. And not only do you have to, to, to win them, you need to win them decisively. Because the Mavericks are a better team than the Knicks. The Knicks are going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. And to let them get going the way 
that Dallas did. I understand the argument is that, oh, well, they're not always going to hit these mid-range shots, and they're not always going to hit these three-pointers. We said the same thing about the Portland game. So at a certain point, it's on the Mavericks to actually start defending better instead of throwing up their hands and saying, well, we're, we're, these are the shots that we want them to take. Well, they're making the shots that, that, that you want them to take, and that's just not a good look. Uh, they the Mavericks had too many chances really to be in this game because New York is such a mess that they couldn't hit free throws down the stretch. Um, you know, I could really talk about this game for a while. I I, I don't. I, I've probably been rambling, and you guys are wishing that I had somebody else to talk to. But really, I just wanted to come and and talk about this game on my own for a few minutes. I didn't want to write about it. I've got to cover the game tomorrow night. You're going to see more coverage from Mavs Moneyball. This is, is, you know, just, it's, it's going to go down this season as one of the worst losses that they have because it, it's, they're better than this. And yet they never seemed to even, you know, there was a brief moment in the third and part of the fourth where it fought, felt like they might come together and actually push ahead. And then, you know, of course they just didn't. And I, I really hope that, that they figure, you know, they figure out what their lineup issues are. Um, I know it's only game eight. We have a, it's a long season, but some of these things are really apparent to me as a fan, as a, as a pseudo analyst, as a, you know, person who, uh, really has watched and played a lot of basketball. I'm not understanding what the Mavericks are seeing to, that makes them, you know, decide on some of these things. So hopefully they figure a lot of this out because, you know, the schedule is going to get harder at some point and they're going to play better teams. Uh, they really need to bounce back tomorrow night and absolutely beat the pants off the Memphis Grizzlies. Because if that's a close game, or if, God forbid, it's a loss, then the Mavericks are not near the team that we had expected from that first week. Because both of the these are two of the worst teams in the NBA this season. Um, even though, you know, the West is competitive and I really like Memphis's talent, they need to bounce back and win tomorrow night's game. I will probably be coming to you live after the game. I'm running the recap uh, tomorrow night. We should have a preview up shortly. I really appreciate you guys listening to our podcasts. Uh, as you know, I, uh, the, the rating and the subscribing and the passing along to friends, that sort of thing really, really helps us. I appreciate you listening to me ramble for almost 10 minutes straight. This has been Mavs Moneyball After Dark. I'm Kirk Henderson, and we will talk to you soon. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical.